0: You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. And it's brought to you by the NRMA, who are leading the charge in helping Australians transition to electric vehicles. By rolling out Australia's largest regional fast charging network, along with advocacy and education, the NRMA is making the electric transition more accessible for more people
1: hello and welcome to another episode of the driven podcast my name is giles parkinson i'm the founder and editor of the driven and joining me today is mark gregory the chief operating officer of flinders university yeah um mark thanks very much for joining the podcast
2: thank you giles i uh gotta say i'm honored to be on it i listened to your um uh your Energy Insiders podcast on a regular basis, uh, and I read a Renew Economy as well. Uh, and I've listened to a handful of Driven episodes as well, so this is great, um, I'm excited.
1: Well, it is great. Look, um, um, sort of mutual admiration. Um, I've been very impressed by Flinders University. It's um, it's kind of like a bit of a groundbreaking venture. Um, i better tell people what it's about pretty soon. It's a vehicle to grid. So, just a couple of weeks ago, you guys unveiled um, what I'm just presuming is Australia's first mass vehicle to grid array, or array of vehicle charging stations which allows vehicle-to-grid technology, um, tell us about it.
2: Sure. So, I mean, what we're, what we're doing basically is we have taken um, uh, 10 bi-directional chargers, vehicle-to-grid chargers, uh, and we are using fleet vehicles uh, as uh, an initial test bed, but obviously this is extendable to all vehicles. Uh, but we're using those effectively as a virtual battery. Um, and, you know, the, a, a campus has a, a number of assets that make it particularly good for testing something like vehicle-to-grid. Um, in our case, we, we have a microgrid. Um, we have 100% renewable power. We, we have on-site solar uh, about, you know, about 2.2 megawatts behind the meter of on-site solar. And then we buy the balance of our, our power from uh, wind, wind power PPA. Uh, and we have building management systems. We also have fleet cars. And so we decided about three years ago to start to transition our fleet cars to electric vehicles. And, um, uh, and we were also exploring, you know, should we have an onsite battery, uh, you know, to buffer some of the solar and to, you know, kind of, you know, manage, manage our energy overall. Uh, and, We got the idea that, well, you know, maybe we should, before we invest in battery, maybe we we should give a try at a vehicle-to-grid and see if we can create a virtual battery out of vehicles. Uh, And that started us down this road. So how many have you got installed now? So we've got um, 10 chargers installed, 10 bidirectional chargers installed. Um, We have about, at this point, I think about 44 EV chargers on the campus in in its entirety. Uh, And the 10 that we have are... 44 EV chargers. That's more than some states, I think. Yeah, I think we probably do. We probably do. And we have, we have about 5,200 car parks. Uh, so to give you a sense, it doesn't, I mean, 44 sounds like a lot, but that means you see a sprinkling here and there. We've got about 22 different car parks. Uh, and so it's a great test bed for this kind of thing. Um, but, the, but the 10 chargers that we have in place now are 7 kilowatt chargers, uh, bidirectional. Um, and these, you know, it's obviously very early days for V2G. I, I think they'll very soon be replaced by 11 kilowatt chargers. Uh, and of course, they're based in the old uh, Chadmo uh, connector standard, uh, which is really the only thing that's doing uh, bi directional yet. Although we'll be, you know, eager to replace that with the CCS, uh, you know, too, when, it, when we get it, uh, when it comes out. Um, and so our goal is really to kind of continue to evolve this as the technologies allow.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? So, I mean, it sort of charges, but because it's vehicle to grid, it has a sort of different sort of role. Um, so it's not gonna be like a super fast charger. You're not gonna go in there and sort of top up your car in 10 minutes. It's, um, it, it has a different perspective. And I guess maybe that also just sort of speaks to the cadence of life at the university as well.
2: <laughs> maybe it does. You know, we do have some fast chargers for people that need to get a, a quick charge, but I think actually for vehicle to grid, It's probably. I think what you're going to see is that it's not going to be about fast charging because, you know, you you certainly don't want to be fast charging bidirectionally with current battery technologies. I think current battery technologies and chemistries um, will not will will do pretty well with you know seven and eleven kilowatt. Directional, but I don't think you want to be doing you know 75 kilowatt bi directional at this stage. Uh, but, but you know, I mean, obviously, this is a fast moving target, and, and we listen to this in five years and be like, Oh, that's absolutely normal. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, what the hell are those guys talking about? You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, quaint and curious. Um, and because it's chatter mode, that means basically it's restricted to Nissan Leafs and um, possibly the um, the odd um, um Outlander um, plug in hybrid, that, and
2: that's what we've got. We've got um. I think it's six Nissan Leafs now, and we've got uh, seven Outlander plugins on order. We've got about three of them here, Uh, and those are smaller. The Outlander's got about a 20 kilowatt-hour battery, the new one, Mm -hmm. and the Nissan Leafs have about a 64 kilowatt-hour battery, I think. So, but you know, we can still, at this point, create a good, you know, 500 kilowatt virtual battery out of the vehicles that we have, Um, and of course, you know. uh, the challenge these days is getting the vehicles, not just getting the technologies, but but getting the vehicles that you need. Uh, and I think we've been waiting on the dock side to kind of pick up the Nissan Leafs as they come into the country.
1: Absolutely. So you've got like a sort of a a handful there. Um, are there yeah. other people that are able to come in and use that? Um, um, I mean, there must be, must be a few other Nissan Leaf owners in uh, in South Australia. I think there's a- <laughs> there are.
2: We, have, we haven't we haven't roped them into our trial yet. But um, I guess when we see them, we could put a note on their dash. Uh, but uh, you know we we are doing uh, uh, we are we are uh, offering charging to kind of our whole community and I, you know I'd guess right now we see quite a few electric vehicles uh, on campus and um, you know I guess it's probably doubling every year or so at this point. But, you know, we, when we put in our first couple of chargers, they weren't used except for buyer fleet vehicles. And now we're kind of fighting over them with the staff and students that are buying EVs. <laughs>
1: and the students are buying EVs? Is it, uh, yeah,
2: I, we're, we're seeing quite a few EVs um, rock up. I don't know. Some of our students seem to be able to afford Teslas. Um, I don't know how that works. But, um, but, uh, but the, we see a lot of different cars and really quite a range of cars that are coming in. And you know our rule of thumb is if you if you pay for our annual parking fee, you can use our charger infrastructure. Yeah, and te-
1: students and in Teslas—they must be able to put somehow on their hex debt, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who
2: knows? <laughs> not in my not in my days. We can do it.
1: <laughs> so what's your, what's your kind of motivation in all of this?
2: Yeah, like, I mean, we like most universities. I mean, we're really interested in sustainability and solving you know global problems. And Flinders is. Been working on these kind of problems for for many years, uh, and, and you know, it, we transitioned to 100% renewable back in about 2019. We decided uh, about a year later that we'd make the EV switch uh, with our fleet. We've got about 150 fleet vehicles. And we thought, you know, I mean, it's going to happen anyway. Let's get on the front foot and uh, start transitioning our vehicles. And we've only got about, I think, 16 or 17 now with another seven on order at the moment because they're just trickling in still. Mm. Um, but, but this, uh, I think, is going to you know, prove to be an accelerant because I think we're looking at this and saying this is, this is pretty powerful uh, technology and potential as a storage uh, technology. And it's pretty cost-competitive with the alternative of a, of a fixed battery. And I think, you know, we might blend the two at some point. But but uh, y- the benefit, of course, is if you buy a car and and then use it partially as a fixed battery, y- you still needed the car anyway, right? And so you've got the benefit of the car. And then in the evening when it's when it's parked, you've got the benefit of the fixed battery. So it's kind of doubling your money.
1: So when you say it's cost-competitive, it's cost-competitive for who? For, for, for the consumer? Like, like, yes.
2: Well, so if we… Yeah, if we look at, you know, I mean, if we look at the university could buy right now a one or two megawatt battery and we look at what that costs for us to put in, we can do the same thing with a virtual battery with cars. And it's actually just, just about the same price or cheaper all in. But then you also get the cars. Um, so <laughs> you've, got, yeah. you've got cars you can use. And so th- then the question becomes, and this is a lot of what we're trying to study here, is wh- when do you use them and how do you uh, set up the timing uh, because I, as you well know, and as your listeners probably well know, um, you know especially in states like South Australia, uh, you've got very low cost energy during the day when the sun is shining and, and solar is doing its thing. Uh, and then you've got a peak period that comes down about four thirty-five o'clock and, and runs into the evening. Uh, that's when we want to have our cars parked and functioning effectively as um, you know, donors to the, to the, uh, the campus grid. Mm, um, yeah. And then later further into the evening around midnight or so, the, the wind power is kicking in and there's, there's um, low cost energy again, and, and then we can draw that um, you know, so recharge the cars and have them ready to go again in the morning. So but one of the things we're trying to study is what are the, how does this work with the behavior patterns of fleet drivers? right? So we know that people want cars at certain times. We want to have them plugged in at certain times. And so we're trying to figure out what is the best algorithm to ensure that we achieve all those goals.
1: So you mentioned sort of the idea about the fleets. I mean, that's one of the big questions about, um, you know, there's some there's some interesting studies about how, um, you know, vehicle grid technology could be. There's just this massive resource, you know, these batteries and wheels. I mean, you know, some people have even said God it could even be as big as Snowy Hydro uh, or Snowy 2.0. But um, I guess the question is, um, are they going to be plugged in when they're needed? How do you do that? Or do you have so many that you always just count on a certain amount being plugged in? I'm not too sure. So,
2: yeah, so as I understand um, from a recent arena report, uh, by 2050, there'll be four times as much storage rolling around in, on EV wheels as there will be, uh, as we will need uh, as an entire country uh, to, to manage the, you know, balance the, the renewables in the grid. Four times as much. So if you only had one out of ten of those cars plugged into a V2G system at that time it means you'd be providing 40% of your national storage using cars, uh, using vehicles, uh, which is significant. Um, And it's highly likely that, you know, cars spend, you know, 90% of their time parked. Uh, Even fleet fleet vehicles spend a huge part of their time parked. Uh, And so I think it's likely that we'll get to a scenario where a significant portion of the nation's storage is being contributed by vehicles.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting yeah I mean I, I think the figures are like about full car use I mean yeah as I say 90% of the time they're they're parked and not, not being used and I guess the only change to that would be if they all become robo taxis but um, I guess <laughs> exactly. ho- well I guess that hopefully we'll be able to tell the robots what to do and where to go and to park the damn car and plug it in but um, yeah um, let's hope so <laughs> well
2: I mean just you know think about fleet vehicles for a second Um you know, we have a number of fleet vehicles that are for, you know, tradespeople doing work and grounds crews. Uh, we also have buses and, and things that get used. And as those get replaced with EVs that can become part of the storage regime, they have pretty predictable use patterns. You know, we don't do grounds crew work at night. Uh, and so then they become available to us. And we can really, you know, between scheduling the work uh, and then thinking about what value that EV can produce for us as a, as a battery, Uh, you know, we should be able to come up with an optimal, uh, you know, kind of fit. And that optimization problem is a lot of what we're trying to research is how do you, as a commercial entity, how do you, uh, you know, find the best mix of using these vehicles uh, for storage purposes and then using them uh, as vehicles?
1: It could actually get pretty weird, you know, if you think about sort of 10 or 15 years down the track, you know, we've actually got a fair amount of sort of robo-taxis and automatic, or even whatever, then all, all these fleet, all these vehicles, are kind of called, called back to the grid to sort of, you know, maybe sort of fill in some, you know, potential gap in the, um, gap in the reliability of the grid to make sure there's enough storage there, um, you know, maybe in the yeah. middle, middle of a dunkelflat or dunkelflat or whatever it's called, the, uh, the wind <laughs> and solar drought and, um, all these cars racing back to sort of plug back into the grid and, um, well, and, and do the duty.
2: You know, you can imagine, you know, we all carry a phone around right now. And, you know, you, if you were just on a service that said, hey, you know, right now the energy price, if you plug your car in is X, you know, a lot of people will find the nearest place to plug their car in, right? You know, <laughs> you know and, and one of the things I've been wondering is, you know, if, you know so we, we like I, I think I mentioned, we have you know, 5,200 uh, parking spots. Uh, you know, maybe we would have a commercial model that said something like, hey, you know, if you're a good citizen and you're plugged in at the right times enough of the time, then you have credit and you've, you've got free charging going forward because you're here when we need you to be here. And so, you know, we're trying to figure out what what are those, um, those models that commercial entities might use.
1: It's kind of interesting. I just hope they make it uh, less complicated than uh, electricity bills now so people can actually understand what they're doing and what they might get from it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, one of the things that makes it possible for us to, to um to do a trial like this is we've got pretty good building energy management systems. So we kind of track and graph all of our building usage anyway, and this has become just sort of another asset on that on that building management system that we're tracking.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And and do you drive an electric car?
2: I do. I drive a Kona EV and I love it. Um, and uh, you know it's not it's not bidirectional yet. It doesn't have doesn't have V2G capability. But my understanding is that their next version, the 2024, will come out with vehicle to load, uh, which is a bit of a disappointment for me because I'd like to see more vehicle to grid uh, vehicles coming onto the market.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really interesting. And look, I think we've now been um, finally joined um, by Daniel from Oji. Um, uh, Daniel, is that you there?
0: Hi, Giles. Oh, hi, Mark. Yes, it's uh, Dan Gillick.
1: Dan Gillick yeah absolutely thanks for joining us you've actually provided the technology um for the um for the v2g rollout at flinders university so tell us about it because um um we haven't really seen much before
0: yeah that's correct Joel. so um ng's provided the the vehicle to grid technology and i guess the software which enables the vehicle to grid system to operate uh, as a virtual power plant um, so, this has been a, a collaboration uh, with Flinders with University uh, over the last sort of 18 to, to 24 months. Uh, and yeah, I guess we, we hit a, a major milestone in uh, March this year with the, the system being uh, commissioned and, and now uh, an initial uh, testing and, and validation phase, uh, which is sort of due to complete shortly. And then We'll, we'll look at um, yeah uh, o- operating it in a in a live environment shortly.
1: Yeah, so look, I'm just kind of interested though. Um, how much more expensive is uh, having a charger that does vehicle to grid than just a simple just just charging? Look,
0: the the, the charges and cells are about r- roughly between sort of three to to five times the cost of an equivalent uh, con- conventional AC AC charger. But the, but the interesting thing is, I, I guess, is the ability to to operate as a, as a battery, and and I, I guess the, the the cost the cost saving potential that 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 offers for for consumers, uh, is I, I guess is is an important consideration.
1: Mm, yeah, Mark, you want something to add there?
2: Yeah, I just was going to say we I think we've paid about ten thousand uh, dollars per for the for the charger units. The um, uh, as I understand it, you know this is you know the 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 point of the spear here, and you know very soon these these will be down below five thousand dollars. In fact, I'm uh, looking at some end phase equipment for my house that'll be bidirectional that that is sub five thousand dollars, and uh, but it won't be out till next year. But I I suspect this is a uh, market that will drop in price quite quickly as the technologies normalize.
1: Yeah, it kind of feels like we're sort of in the early adopted territory, very much so. on this is, isn't, isn't that right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Dan, tell us more about how this is going to evolve, then, because um, as we've kind of discussed earlier in this podcast and in, in talking with Mark, um, the um, it's kind of limited to Chattamo, um the. Plug protocol, um, but there's talk about it happening in CCS, which is basically sort of you know the the plug standard adopted by just about every new EV now. Um, as a as a supplier, um, what can you tell us about the developments with CCS and the willingness of the EV uh, manufacturers to kind of embrace bidirectional charging?
0: Yeah, so, so I guess. Um, there has certainly been a number of developments that have occurred that are, is you know, allowing the CCS2 compatible V2G technology to to be available uh, commercially in the market sort of within the next sort of twelve to eighteen months. Um, that that timeline uh, does ha, has sort of shifted. Uh, I think we we were sort of looking towards the, the end of this year, but really it. it it's it's really a case of um amalgamating the 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 standards and and having a, a, I guess a, um, uh, a an approved standard that that's consistently uh that's going to be consistently adopted by by the car manufacturers um which is I, I think you know as you can imagine you know that the number of uh, different manufacturers involved um you know it's going to take time for there to be uh, i guess agreement on 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 that standard um but but that's that Mm. that's not to say that uh manufacturers aren't sort of moving ahead at least to to make the their vehicles electric vehicles uh v2g enabled um and and we're already seeing that with with volkswagen group um so you know for example the the cupra born uh fully electric, uh, you know, that, that's a CCS2 electric vehicle that will be vehicle-to-grid capable, uh, I, I believe uh, the, the Kia EV9 um, will, will have that vehicle-to-grid capability, uh, and there'll be certainly others following. So, I think car manufacturers are certainly moving ahead um, to, to sort of future-proof their EVs and, and have them at least capable, the VDG capable in the future. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, you know, vehicle-to-grid uh, charges, um, uh, which are CCS2 compatible, under development, and and, and Warbox is an example of uh, one manufacturer, which is uh, you know, sort of quite well progressed in in terms of uh, their their development. Um, but it's really a case of just uh, yeah, getting those those standards approved so that. Um, you Know we, we can, yeah, b- basically, uh, you know, allow it to to be kind of rolled out at a, at a commercial scale, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Mark, getting back to you, I mean, um, the Kona, I mean, w- would you upgrade your vehicle if you could um, get a vehicle to grid capability with it?
2: Yeah, I think I would uh, eventually, and you know, it's interesting because if you ask anybody who's interested in an EV right now if they want vehicle to grid, I think you know, I've seen. You know, studies that say that it's 70% of the people say, yeah, absolutely, I want that. <laughs> so I think the whole world wants it, and a lot of people are probably waiting. I mean, I'd mean, love to see, you know, Tesla come out with a, a you know, standards-based vehicle-to-grid. Uh, and I'd love to see, you know, other vehicles like vans and, and you know, utility trucks uh, come out and vehicle-to-grid as well. Well, I'd be, I'd be
1: happy if Tesla just came out with vehicle to load. I mean, that'd be at least a step forward. I could just make myself <laughs> a cup of tea or um, do whatever, <laughs> or keep the house going if there's an outage or something like that. But. Um um, they want you to buy a battery. Um, I'm wondering how the networks are getting their mind around this because, you know, um, whether you, I mean, this might be something that Dan or, or, or maybe Mark can answer um, in the sense of, um, you know, we've had um, a lot of people rolling out fast charging stations or super fast charging stations and they'd be kind of limited by some local network capacity on occasions. Um, maybe start with you, Mark. Um, did you have any sort of network issues, talk to the local network when you wanted to put in this facility in, in your yeah. campus?
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll let Daniel get, get into the details on it, but um, we, uh, we have talked to them. We have a good relationship with SA Power Networks and, um, you know, and a good positive relationship with them. And, and, of course, South Australia is a pretty progressive uh, state when it comes to energy matters, and so we get a lot of good support from the state as well. Um, but, um, uh, you know, this is, this is a little bit experimental. You know, it's interesting because unlike a fixed battery You know these cars might not be there at a particular time, and so from the network's perspective, I think this is still a little bit questionable. Although, as I understand it, um, uh, SA Power Networks has accepted the idea of V2G coming from homes already, and is is prepared to accept that. Uh, And so I think they're they're pretty you know they're pretty open-minded, but at the same time, I think they'd love us to have a a fixed battery to make all this work in a more guaranteed way. Um, uh, You know that would be probably more aligned with their goals.
1: You could just take one of the old leaves and just take the wheels off, I suppose. <laughs> so, Mark, what's the next step in the evolution
2: then for sort of Flinders or, or for this technology as you see it? Well, look, I think, um, uh, you know, so, so we're still just kind of proving this out and we'll continue to... Um uh, to work on this and, and gather data from uh, the vehicles. and, and uh, But then I think we want to solve a lot of other questions. I mean, the, f- the first thing will be to try and get more vehicle uh, diversity into the mix, more charger-type diversity like CCS chargers. Um, but uh, then I'd like to kind of move on to um, some larger vehicles like buses. I mean, and we're, we're seeking ways to, to fund that right now, but we'd like to see some... Uh, We've got four campus buses now, and we'd like to see um, those go eventually to electric and try and figure out a way to incorporate them into this. They would have a use pattern that would be uh, very predictable for us. We know when they operate and when they don't, and so they they become kind of fixed at certain hours. Um, So that's a, a lot of potential for us. Um, and then I think we want to keep. You I'm, know, just looking
1: think, I'm just thinking. I'm just sorry to interrupt. I'm just sort of thinking around the potential for that. Actually, you can just sort of yeah. keep the buses there and sort of peak times between five and eight o'clock in the evening, and you can kind yeah. of just sort of you can frame your whole curriculum and your whole class and tutorial class times around that, just to make sure no one needs a bus between five and eight o'clock in the evening, <laughs> and you kind of got it plugged in. I mean, you know, sort of well, changing well, our lifestyle.
2: You know, I mean, <laughs> why, I, why not? <laughs> yeah, our campus is is used like a lot of campuses is used more intensively during the day. We've got a city campus that we're opening soon that will be used more intensively during the evening, but but uh, but you know for our main campus, I think our buses you know pretty much will be you know at reduced use by five o'clock, and uh, and they're really circulator buses that move people around the campus, um, and so so that's a next step, and then of course you know what we really want to explore too is what are the business models that are going to make all this work, you know how would we if if we were Doing this not with fleet vehicles, but with all of our student and staff participating. You know how, what kind of incentive structures would turn, you know, uh, you know, in the future, all these cars into a usable uh, asset.
1: Mm oh fantastic um dan um you've um got back online um you can probably unmute yourself i'm just wondering if there are any sort of, sort of final conclusions that you can kind of offer about you know the way the way you see um vehicle to grid um evolving at least over the next couple of years yeah so i think yeah the,
0: the flinders university trial uh, i think is is a great um a test case and, and proof uh around i guess the the capability of the vehicle to grid system uh i i I guess we uh, i i see it this is sort of a stepping stone towards uh hopefully um deploying kind of larger scale vehicle to grid technology in the future i guess it's going to play an important role in in providing that flexible generation and and firming capacity that you know the grid will, will certainly need as as um you know uh, you know m- more rooftop solar uh increase, you know there's more rooftop solar uh more renewable uh penetration so i, I certainly see it as, as providing a-, a a very um you know co- co- cost effective and and uh a uh, way of-, of um yeah provide providing that i guess capacity and, and service to the grid and,
1: and um daniel just maybe just checking them um, do you drive an electric vehicle
0: Uh, For for me, currently, I I don't, Um, but but certainly, and and, and simply that's the case of my wife and I have have had had a vehicle uh, for for the last few years, but certainly, I I guess, in terms of our next purchase, we'll be looking at 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 an electric vehicle.
1: And you'll be looking for one with vehicle to load or vehicle to grid or all of the above? All of the above. (laughs) All (laughs) of the above. Very good. Okay. Um, Let's wrap it up there, Mark. Any sort of final predictions?
2: Oh, boy. No. The one thing I'd say is that, yeah, you know, now is the time to look at this stuff, even though we're, I think we're pretty uh, early in these investigations. Uh, you know, you think forward to 2030, I mean, we could have, uh, you know, t- 25%, 30% of the vehicles on the road could be EVs and, and you know, a lot of them with bi-directional capability. Uh, and so, you know, big organizations are going to need to sort this out. And I think, we're you know, we're going to want to take advantage of the, of the benefit of vehicle-to-grid. So, now is the time, uh, even though it's uh, uh, you know challenging to get all the parts and pieces together. Now is the time to figure out how it's going to work.
1: Yeah, yeah, and look, just on that, um, you know, the organizations will kind of look at that and just go, "What do we do? Um, how do we figure out car parks? How do we figure out our parking spaces?" Any particular hints that you've got to offer?
2: Well, look, I mean, you know, I, we're pretty open book, and so anything we learn about this, uh, I would say, you know, we're, we're willing to share. I will say that that transitioning a fleet to EVs makes absolute sense. If anybody out there listening is a fleet operator and they're wondering about EVs, it makes absolute sense. You know, the, the very low maintenance vehicles, they work great. You know, there's a little bit of a transition period for people that are not familiar with using them, but, but it's pretty quick. Um, uh, and, and, you know, so and, and I think that vehicle to grid is going to add a lot of value to that. And if these cars, you know, ultimately uh, some of the testing that we've done suggests that, you know, you could potentially, if you were playing the markets with regular energy prices, you know, make somewhere between two and $4,000 a year by having the car plugged in at the right times. You know, for fleet operators, that could make a huge difference in the, in the viability and the cost effectiveness of their fleet. So, but, you know, that's, that's what we're doing the experiment uh, for. And Flinders is happy to share that information when, when we get it. Uh, and, you know, if people are keen, uh, they should reach out to us. And
1: you really think that you could make that much money from a um, from an electric vehicle through vehicle to grid? I,
2: I, I suspect you'd have to be you'd have to be almost playing it for that purpose entirely. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd be like a stockbroker, making sure that you're, you're buying and selling at every five minute interval correctly. But but I think it will generate some benefit, and certainly if you like, you know, we have hundred plus buildings in a, in a microgrid, and you know, we, we locally can use that energy pretty cleverly, uh, so we can get a fair amount of benefit out of it might
1: make some for some interesting conversations in the car with the family so no 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 go to the charger it now there's a really good price <laughs> 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 I want to get to I want to get to the beach house no 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 We can't miss it we can pay for the whole weekend oh <laughs> ah, dear um look Mark um thank you very much for joining the Driven podcast and and, and Dan Gillick too thank you very much and um um for sort of uh, over uh, for, for struggling through the connection issues that we had Dan but um your contrib- contribution was a bit, um most welcome thank you thanks thanks very much charles thank you yeah good on you okay and that's it for the uh, driven podcast um for this episode we'd like to thank the uh, sponsor of the podcast nrma for their support for this series and um, look we'll be back with another episode of the driven podcast very very soon and um, welcome to uh, get your feedback Um, thank you very much bye for now
0: The Driven Podcast was brought to you by the NRMA who are leading the charge in helping Australians transition to electric vehicles. The NRMA offers advice, online communities and EV loans to help drivers at every stage of their electric vehicle journey. And with their ever-expanding regional fast charging network, the NRMA is committed to ensuring all communities remain connected.